0: from Connecticut Public Radio. This is where we live. I'm Lucy nalpa You're hearing klezmer music underneath me. It's Jewish folk music that saw a resurgence in America in the 1970s. Now, the first time I heard klezmer live was at the bat mitzvah ceremony for the 13-year-old daughter of a friend. Something about the music captivated me. Maybe it was the female accordionist who drew me in, or the sound of the clarinet. Today, where we live, we'll learn more about the klezmer tradition. Coming up, we'll hear from a klezmer community band based in the Hartford area known as Heavy Shtetl. Now do you enjoy klezmer music? You can join our conversation, 860-275-7266. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Joining me now in studio is Christina Crowder. She's a New Haven-based klezmer musician and researcher. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. I understand you're also someone who performs with the Bivolitsa Ensemble in New Haven. That's
2: right. How long has that uh,
0: band been together?
2: Since about 2012. We, we got together. I moved to, to Hamden, and I found that in my neighborhood, right in my neighborhood, right around New Haven and Hamden, there were these wonderful musicians that were interested in the music that I was interested in, and we started this journey uh, together to make an ensemble about, uh, that takes kind of a chamber music approach to traditional Eastern European klezmer music.
0: Well, we'll hear more um, from uh, the Bivolitsa Ensemble. That was one of the songs that you heard at the top of the show. But uh, first, because you're a researcher, tell us about klezmer, starting with what does klezmer actually mean?
2: Well, klezmer uh, originally referred to a person, not the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, klezmer was a musician who was a member of the Professional Guild of Jewish Musicians. And that was founded in uh, officially founded in uh, 1558 in Prague. And very quickly, uh, this guild uh, spread all through Eastern Europe where Jews were living, and and the music that they played uh, plays an essential part of the Jewish wedding. That's what the music is for, and that's what it uh, that's why it exists. And it is a way to uh, bring the Jewish cultural values of thoughtfulness and rhetoric uh, and celebration into the world by using music and by dance.
0: You mentioned that it originated in Eastern Europe. So can you talk more about the influences on the music, depending on where, what region we're in, and how maybe the klezmer sounded different?
2: Right. So we have um, a, a core Jewish repertoire that is very much influenced by uh, very strictly Jewish culture, a chazanut, which is the the, the, the cantorial modes, But then beyond the core repertoire and the dance genres and the musical genres that are in there, we have different co territorial repertoires that come in. Kolomaika from Ukraine, waltzes, mazurkas come in later into the 18th and 19th century. Uh, And then, of course, Bessarabia, Moldova, the southern, eastern uh, European uh, cultures intermixed very deeply. So we have professional gypsy lautar musicians playing with professional klezmer musicians. And that uh, interaction created a very, uh, very creative and productive musical fusion between those musical cultures.
0: Mm. I mentioned the accordion and uh, the clarinet, but when we think about klezmer uh, thousands of years ago, what were the core
2: instruments at the time? Right. So we have uh, violin is the premier klezmer instrument. And in the uh, the 18th, 19th centuries, you would have had the Jewish symbol, which is the small hammer dulcimer, another very important influence uh, instrument. Excuse me, uh, along with cello and flute and other violins, small drum. Uh, into the later uh, 18th and 19th centuries, we have uh, the band instrument starts to show up, and that's the clarinet, the trombone, uh, various tubas, and so eventually we end up with this. Uh, mixed orchestra, where in Europe, the violinist is still the leader, but there's going to be clarinet and trombone. By the time we get to America with that music, the violin has become much less important and the clarinet takes over. And we have these big brass bands that we find on our New York and Philadelphia 78 recordings in the early part of the 20th century in America.
0: This is where we live. Christina Crowder is with me in studio. She's a klezmer musician and researcher who performs with the Bivalitza Ensemble in New Haven. Uh, We asked her to come in because we've been planning a show on klezmer for some time, and we wanted to learn more about the tradition again, uh, the music you may hear uh, at a uh, a Jewish Jewish celebration uh, here in the United States now, uh, with roots uh, way back uh, in Eastern Europe. You can join our conversation. If you have a question about klezmer, maybe it's something that you've been drawn uh, to through the years. The number, 860 275 I mentioned we played a song um, at the top of the show from Biblice's album, Live at the Orchard Street Shul. I want to play another uh, song uh, for our listeners. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, the, the Leon All song?
2: Yes, this is uh, a Doina and a Nachspiel from Leon All. This is one of our early 20th century, uh, very few recordings of violin music, klezmer violin music. Uh, this is performed uh, by Karen Kleiman at a concert at the Orchard Street Schule in New Haven some years ago. And what this piece is, is at the, at the wedding feast, uh, the klezmer, this violin player, would perform pieces that were intended to honor certain uh, respected guests, either the in-laws or maybe uh, if there was a doctor or a lawyer or a personage in your shtetl who had been invited to the wedding, you would play this piece to give them uh, honor and respect. Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, we've been uh, listening to a song on the Bivolitsa's album. Uh, we hear, it sounds very uh, somber in the beginning, a little melancholy. Uh, Christina, can you describe how the instruments are making that sound, and why do we hear that
2: element in klezmer music? Yeah, well, um, yeah, there's there's a, a pathos there, Um I don't. It, uh, it's hard to describe a little bit, but that cracks. That we call them kreks. That's the, the the sobbing sound that the violin makes, and and that's to echo the. Um, that's to echo the. Um, um, that's to echo the. Um, sound of the human voice, uh, as that you might hear in the synagogue. That the instruments are copying that kind of uh, uh, emotion as they. Perform these tunes, and and the klezmer, the they weren't just reproducing the cantorial modes. They were taking the vocal, uh, the vocal repertoires from Yiddish singers and from the from the synagogue, and they were transforming it into an instrumental music that could be used for all these different purposes, whether it was dancing or whether for uh, seating the bride and and those kinds of events at the wedding. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, now, I should mention you're not Jewish, uh, but you play Klezmer. What was it about this tradition that drew you in? What was that point in your life where uh, I guess that light bulb went off and you thought, I want to play this?
2: Right. I uh, I had studied Jewish history in college uh, with Chris Browning, uh, and then after I graduated, I, I went to Hungary uh, to see if I wanted to go to graduate school, and I wanted to check it out for a few more months. I'd been there briefly, and I went back and uh, on arrival, very closely, I'd had an accordion with me, and I got asked to join a band. And I said, of course, yes, I want to join a band. What kind of music is, are we going to play? And Bob uh, Cohen said, well, it's klezmer music. It's Jewish music. And I said, what's that? Uh, and then I started listening, and it became clear very quickly that I was completely captivated by that uh, emotional content and by the... Uh, the ability to, to travel all around Europe with, with this Jewish music and see how it inflected in different parts of the Jewish, uh, the Jewish culture across Europe. And so it was a way for me to see into this huge diversity of culture and to, to, to find it, just something in the music itself really spoke to me. And it's stuck with me now for 25 years as I've continued to play and, uh, and continue to research uh, these topics.
0: Um, how were you viewed as an American woman who was non-Jewish Jewish, learning to play this music?
2: Uh, oddly enough, it was more of a problem for me to be a woman American accordion player in the Hungarian music scene than it was for me to be playing klezmer music. Because in Hungary, uh, the Jews are seen as an outside culture. and. Uh, As in many, many places. So for me, as an American coming to Hungary, it wasn't a problem for me to be participating in the Jewish culture in terms of the Hungarians. And uh, myself and Bob Cohen, as two of the members who began that band, or he he founded the band and I joined very quickly afterwards, we were both Americans anyway. So we had a lot of freedom to explore in that context. Mm.
0: When we look at um, the Arca of klezmer, um, when did we uh, start to see klezmer um, starting to fade in Europe? And then how did it come here to this country?
2: Right. So the huge social changes are happening all across Europe into the later 19th century and up until the Holocaust. And, of course, the Holocaust is, this, is a rupture uh, that, that that changed everything. But there were changes that were happening already beforehand, and in a in a modernizing world, fewer and fewer people had time for a three or a four day wedding. And so the klezmer profession had, was starting to fade, in, even in Europe in the early nineteenth, uh, early twentieth century. And certainly by the time uh, these klezmorum and other musicians came to America, you moved lo- you move to New York and you live on the Lower East Side. Who has time <laughs> for a three day wedding? And so the whole. Uh, Professional connection got truncated to a certain extent, but that, but, but even with that, klezmer music and Jewish music thrived after the Second World War. There is a flowering of amazing creativity in Jewish music in what I call it the mid-century modern klezmer period, and that's the period uh, in the fifties and the early sixties. And that uh, we have Dave Terrace is this phenomenal clarinetist, and he is. Uh, performing all over New York City he's they are there. some fantastic albums that come out at this point the Jewish community in America is doing very well at that moment and uh, but but then by the 60s and the 70s the Jewish community is still doing very well in America but the music uh, is starting to fade out in terms of being popular and uh, the, you know a 13 year old kid in 1972 would much prefer perhaps to have a DJ mm-hmm. than to have some oldie moldy klesmorum, like showing up at their at their mitzvah, uh, but then in 1978, uh, Zev Feldman and Andy Statman uh, put out an album of what they called uh, Jewish klezmer music, uh, and that was uh, Zev Feldman on the cymbalom and Andy Statman on the clarinet, and they produced this album uh, that uh, from music that they had learned from Dave Terrace, who was their teacher, and that was one of the things along with a concert with Dave Terrace who was i believe in his late 70s or early 80s at the time that really started to get the klezmer revival off to a start and 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 people who had been maybe looking at the folk music rely, revival around the country started thinking well wait a minute we have music we're you know what about our jewish music and they started looking for it and that's what that's what brought us up to today
0: Christina Crowder, again, is a Klezmer musician and researcher who performs with the Bivolitsa Ensemble in New Haven, Connecticut. I wanted to play another uh, track off of uh, Bivolitsa's album. This is Kieran's Tartar tune. Tell us a little bit about that before we hear it.
2: Sure. Um, Our mission as as an ensemble is to take a traditional approach, but to make it more democratic and more like a chamber ensemble might approach a piece of music. So we take... uh, pieces of music that we find from the European repertoire, but we we expand them and we improvise. Uh, our concerts bring that sort of element of surprise and improvisation, and we sort of play off of each other to create the more improvisational tunes that we perform.
0: Later on this hour, we're going to talk a little bit about klezmer fusion. Is that how to describe the ensemble or
2: no? Well, in this instance, we're not, I guess if you were going to say it's a fusion with classical music, but I think it's not exactly the way we would say that there's a a bluegrass component or a jazz component. There are many bands who are doing those things, but we're a little bit more like we're just taking this original material and kind of just pushing it out a little bit. Let's hear it.
0: to listen to that sitting down I I do want to get up and dance and that's the point that's the point that's exactly right and I think I can hear the accordion that's you playing yes yes and how long did it take you uh to master that instrument
2: well I'm still working (laughs) on it uh of course but uh yeah my my Finnish grandmother wrote me a sent me a card for Christmas and in it was a check at my sophomore year in college, and she said, Merry Christmas, please go buy an accordion. And my grandmother was not the kind of person that you didn't, you know, you disobeyed, and so I went out and I bought an accordion, even though I didn't know anything about it. And so this is in 1988 or something like this. And I just, uh, sh- there was something about that that just caught me, and I just started playing and playing, and I took some lessons, and I just carried it basically everywhere I went with me when I was traveling in Europe. And um you know, after a while, you keep you keep at it, and it it just becomes a part of you, like any instrument will become a part of you as you keep playing and practicing and learning on it.
0: Before we heard uh, that particular song, you were talking about the revival of klezmer um, in the the '70s here in the United States. Uh, today, uh, how uh, how do you see people's interpretation of klezmer, and um, has it changed, or um, and is there more of an embrace embracing of this type of tradition?
2: Well, I, I am very excited about what's happening in Klezmer today. There are um, a phenomenal and, and huge number of young people who are getting into the music and, and, and learning about the music and doing very creative things with it. Uh, these are Jewish uh, people and non-Jewish people. I mean, Klezmer has uh, a kind of a universal appeal uh, to the person who it catches. It doesn't matter if they're Jewish or not Jewish. Uh, even though, of course, it is much uh, stronger presence. You have a stronger connection when when you see it as part of your cultural or your faith community. Um, There are uh, a number of different uh, things that we can look to, different camps that are starting up uh, and that are being revived and revitalized as we're having our revival period and now the re-revival period uh, that's carrying it on into new and different places.
0: I should mention you'll be a faculty teacher this year at the Jewish New York Festival. Uh, we'll We'll tweet out a link uh, to uh, that uh, website. Tell us a little bit about that, that gig for you.
2: Yes, Yiddish New York is it is um, it is an absolutely phenomenal opportunity for anybody who's kind of interested in Yiddish culture and Yiddish kite to come and participate uh, and learn things and do things uh, and see things and hear things uh, for you know, kind of there's something for everybody there. There's Yiddish music. Uh, there's klezmer music. There's Yiddish song. You can learn about Yiddish poetry. You can learn about language. You can do activism. Uh, there's theater productions that are sort of created during that week. Um, it's it's an extension of Klez Camp, which used to happen at a hotel in the Catskills, mm-hmm. and after that sort of uh, that period ended, they moved this idea to the 14th Street Y in New York. And so there's, if you go to the website, you'll see all kinds of things. There's concerts, there's classes, there's seminars. I'll be teaching uh, uh, klezmer accordion and talking about um, uh, instrumental music and rhythm and accompaniment and stuff like that.
0: This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy nall I want to thank uh, Christina Crowder, Klezmer musician and researcher who performs with the bivalitza Ensemble. This is the, uh, the group that we've been hearing throughout uh, this segment uh, here on Where We Live. Before we uh, go to break, uh, we wanted to play one more piece, a dance piece. Could you set it up for us, Christina?
2: Yes. Well, this is an example of a tune that is a new Klezmer tune because uh, we don't only pull our music from old dusty books. Uh, this is a tune that was composed in 2002 by Lisa Gutkin, Who was one of the composers uh, and one of the performers in the Broadway show *Indecent*, and she wrote this fantastic uh, klezmer frilex called *Tanzen und Springen*, which means dancing and leaping, and that's what this tune really does, and that's why we love it. Yeah.
0: One more time, Christina Crowder, thank you, and and here's the song. Is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Alpethanchil. We're continuing- our conversation about klezmer music embraced by Jewish communities. The music and tradition comes from Eastern Europe as we heard more about the history from our previous guest, Christina Crowder. Now, over the last 40 years, klezmer has become popular in America and it's often performed at Jewish ceremonies and cultural events. And to learn more about the local klezmer scene, joining us now are musicians from the community band Heavy Shtetl. I hope I said that right. Yes, Jeff. you do. Yes,
3: you
0: do. <laughs> I want to welcome to our studio Jeremy Sachs. He's lead vocalist. Jeremy welcome to where we live. Good morning. Also Jane Hurwitz, keyboardist and band leader for Heavy Shtetl. Jane, thank you for coming in. And Jared Schmidt, a violinist and drummer for the band. Hi, Jared. Hi, Lucy. So I want to start off uh, with Jane. I understand you're the band leader again of Heavy Shtetl. Tell us about the group, how it formed, and how many members are there? This band originated
4: in 1990, and I'm the third leader of the band. Uh, The first uh, leader was Les Rotner, a local fellow who went to Conard High School, as did I. And the second leader was Ian uh, Spence. Uh, uh, Les was a, a trumpeter, but a music a teacher, went to school at heart. Ian was uh, and is a violinist, classical violinist. And I was in his band until, unfortunately, he had to drop out because of... Um, Family issues. And so I took over about six, seven years ago, and there are ten of us. We have violin, viola, clarinet, um, trombone, flute, piccolo, guitar, keyboard. So we have a full complement.
0: Uh, Jeremy, you're the vocalist and also uh, the resident Yiddish expert. So tell us about your <laughs> connection.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, a Yiddish expert, you call me that. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, um, <clears throat> in a blind man's world, the one-eyed man is king. You know? So uh, I got into Yiddish because... Um, Frankly, I didn't do much with with Yiddish at all. As a matter of fact, I detested it because as with many of my mother and father's contemporaries, we were so glad to get to America that they didn't speak much Yiddish. They spoke it fluently, but around me, they spoke it for secrets. They spoke it when they didn't want me to know what they were saying. So for 50 years, I hated it. But then as I retired early and went back and took some Yiddish studies, I realized the tremendous amount of culture and politics, music that's involved in Yiddish. And really Yiddish now appeals to a much broader audience than just the Jewish world because it embodies the politics and the sociology and the music of Eastern Europe for a thousand years. Yiddish is a thousand years old. So I got interested in it. And I piqued my curiosity by learning to sing some of the Yiddish songs because I pride myself on understanding what I'm singing. I don't want to get up and sing a bunch of notes that I don't understand, as I did in my bar mitzvah. (laughs) Many people will recognize that. I like to absorb the meaning of the songs. And interesting enough, um, songs weren't added to klezmer right away. Christina did a wonderful presentation with klezmer as professional instrumental music um, we're going to show you, we have one instrumental tune, but we're also going to expose you to uh, some of the songs that mm. were added to klezmer repertoires.
0: Now, before we hear you play, I wanted to introduce uh, the third guest here in the studio, Jared again, Jared Schmidt. Uh, you're, you're the young guy in the room. So how did you get connected uh, to playing in a klezmer band?
1: Mm. Um, well, my friend Andrew Halpern was the drummer in Heavy Shtetl uh, until fairly recently and <clears throat> we became friends and connected on other musical projects. And he enlisted me to to join as the violinist at some point and he's like, "Hey, I'm playing with this great group. you should you should come check it out. I'm like, okay, I, I, I didn't know much about it, but um, I, I got hooked and I'm here. <laughs> So,
0: And you play violin and the drums. Y-
1: yes, I'm trained in violin. Drums is um, a new acquisition that I'm still <laughs> in the process of acquiring.
0: And I have to <laughs> say, I do love your name, Heavy Shtetl. And for our listeners who may not have caught it, so Shtetl is the Yiddish word for village?
1: It's the very
3: small villages, isolated Jewish villages throughout Eastern Europe. My father's uh, ancestors lived in a place called Ponovec, Poland. It's now Ponewicz, Lithuania, but... Uh, Little tiny towns.
0: So I don't want to tease our listeners uh, any further, Jeremy. We're going to uh, hear a uh, heavy shtetl perform uh, the first song. Could you first give us a little bit of the context and meaning of this song? I'm going to translate it around the fireplace. Okay.
1: Well, mm.
3: this is one of the classics, one of the classic tear-jerker songs that brings tremendous amount of emotion and nostalgia to the older folks who are our primary uh, primary audience. We play for nursing homes, uh, places where a lot of the older Jewish folks are residents, and some of them are moved to tears by this music. Even some of them who have dementia, you can see them mouthing the syllables. This goes back 50, 60 years, touches them very deeply. So um, that's how we like to do it.
0: Here's Heavy Staddle.
3: Okay.
5: Boy from Fire, Set your and to. Sugs you noch a mole, untake, noch a noch a mole, untake, noch a Ihr werdet Kind, dem Gottes schleppen, euch gebutschet sein. Sollt für Fundi äusses Keuerchen heben, guckt in den See herein. Sollt für Fundi äusses Keuerchen heben, guckt in den See herein. Sagt ihr Kind, ihr lebt gedenk shutil ihr was in <the> levento ai noch einmal und tage noch einmal komm noch einmal und tage noch einmal komm metall
0: You're hearing heavy (laughs) shtetl here in studio on where we live. That's Jeremy Sachs, lead vocalist; Jane Hurwitz, keyboardist and band leader; and Jared Schmidt on the violin. Um, The song. If you could tell us, because you're singing again in Yiddish, uh, tell us what you were saying there, singing there.
3: Uh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, This is this is a typical view of in the in the little shtetl in Eastern Europe years ago. You can imagine uh, an elderly rebbe sitting around with three or four little children around him in the fireplace, and he's teaching them the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, the, the, the expression, Kometz Aleph, uh, Aw means the Aleph, the A sound in Hebrew with the little T under it, which is the vowel for Ah. And he's teaching them the song, uh, he's teaching them the alphabet. The song talks about how I have to repeat it over and over and over again. But later in the song, the Rebbe talks about Uh, Children, if you learn your Hebrew and you learn to read, then when you get out in the outside world and you get overburdened by your duties and the outside world in general, take out your Hebrew books and read some of it and this will help calm you down. So that's the essence of it.
0: Um, you know, I had mentioned to Christina earlier, uh, we had been planning to do a klezmer show for some time because uh, many of us have heard this music, but don't understand the history and the tradition. But I have to ask, you know, coming off this week of tragedy in Pittsburgh, um, um, as uh, Jewish members uh, and um, as musicians, how did you how do you turn to your music in, in these times uh, at, for, for reflection uh, and, and how you responded to what happened in Pittsburgh? I'll start with you, Jane. It was uh, devastating
4: to read, see, and understand what was going on, and we typically rehearse on Sunday morning, and this this happened Saturday, and we rehearsed Sunday morning. We spoke about it, but it affected each and every one of us because all of us have known people who have gone through... The Holocaust and have had issues with anti-semitism and we've all met with that
0: Jared how about you
1: um I mean you know whenever anything like this happens it's shocking and horrible and there it's all, I I always feel like there I what can I do to adequately respond to this um I'm I'm grateful for For this music, for all the music I have in my life and my circle of friends, I feel like connecting with the music and with them is the best thing I can do to respond to something like this.
0: Mm and uh uh Jeremy, uh, we know the last song you played uh you know it's, it was more a downbeat um, mm-hmm. and but we've heard other uh, types of klezmer where it's really a celebration and um, it's a time of togetherness and uh, being uh, with your family and friends and in enjoying your culture and so I'm curious uh, if you could talk a little bit about
3: um, how the music helps you in the context of, of Pittsburgh or in the context Pittsburgh in general, in, in general. well of uh, course, the Pittsburgh incident heightens what the elderly Rebbe and Oifam Priperchuk was saying, that when you get overburdened by the events in the outside world, have recourse to your Jewish culture and that includes Jewish music and it help calm you down. And that's what that's what it does for me. This was very difficult, but uh, we Jews remain optimists. And uh, of course, we've been through depredation sim- similar to this and much worse before. But our optimism takes root and uh, we remain by by getting back into the music, it helps calm us down.
0: I mentioned you're a community band based in the, in the greater Hartford area. So how uh, do you use your band to educate others?
3: It's an interesting. You no, know, I'm glad you asked that question. I don't recall having paid you to say that, <laughs> but I was hoping you would ask. Um, we we style ourselves as a um, as a, a training or explaining band in that. You know, if you're, going to go, uh, if you're going to go listen to Jewish klezmer music and you're hearing this at the, uh, at, at the Newington Library, for example, chances are the audience is not going to be more than a few percent Jewish and everybody else will be from the general community. And I like to be inclusionary. For me, getting up and doing this music without explaining what's going on, uh, means that you're leaving two-thirds or three-quarters of your audience sitting there wondering why they came. So we, we explain the pieces before we, uh, before we actually sing or play them. Now, our director, Jane, here, controls me very carefully on this because, <laughs> as they know, I'm not a man of few words. You know? And so she, she has a... I, you have a taser gun back there. So <laughs> going to shut me up when I talk too much. Anyway, uh, that's how we, that's how we, we manage it.
0: Well, I wanted to hear you uh, play again before we go into break. Again, Jeremy, if you could describe this next song uh, again, I'll translate the Arab dance.
3: Yes, this is Arab dance, and um, you'll be delighted that there's very little I have to say about it. I have to give a nod to my colleague in the band, Richard Lowry, our violinist, because he did some research for me. This is a dance with uh, a dance tune with Jewish. And Moorish influences, and we don't know whether it came, whether it was Turkish or Turkish Jewish, or Greek, or it came from the Spanish Moorish tradition during what we call the Golden Age of Spain. But it's called Arabertans, an Arab dance.
0: You're hearing again a heavy shtetl here on where we live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy nalpa We're talking about Klezmer music. Coming up, we're going to hear more from Jane Hurwitz, Jeremy Sachs, and Jared Schmidt, members of the Klezmer community band Heavy Shtetl. And you can join us, too, the number 860-275-7266. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're learning more about klezmer music. My guests in studio, Jane Hurwitz, Jeremy Sachs, and Jared Schmidt, all members of a klezmer community band, Heavy Shtetl. Now, earlier we heard about the history and the resurgence of klezmer in the U.S. Uh, in the 1970s, and klezmer shows up in popular culture today. Uh, in the musical comedy show Crazy Ex Girlfriend on the CW, the main character is a Jewish woman raised on the East Coast. In this particular episode, Jewish actresses. Actress Rachel Bloom's character attends her cousin's bar mitzvah, where the partygoers break into a satirical song about an aspect of what it means to be Jewish. Let's hear a little bit of that clip. <laughs> Time to celebrate. Grab a drink and fix a plate. But before you feel too great, remember that we suffered. Nights like these are filled with glee, noshing, dancing, singing. We, but we sing in a minor key. To remember that we suffered. Being happy is selfish. Remember that we suffered. You have no idea what pain is. Remember that we suffered. Hey. Again, that's a clip from the show *Crazy Ex-Girlfriend* on the CW, and we wanted to play that clip because uh, we wanted to learn more about again how Klezmer is portrayed in popular culture. And so, I'm curious if if uh, members of the group want to respond when they see how Klezmer is portrayed on a, a sitcom mm-hmm. like that. I'll start with you, Jared. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your response to that? Because I'm obviously your musicians, and to you, that's not Klezmer music.
1: Well, uh, if I. Tune out the words, and I listen to the music itself. It, it hits me in in the. It, it, I mean, I'm Jeremy is our expert. I'm, I, but it it resonates with me as authentic. The music itself, um, and it moves me. And then the words come in, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, uh, I, it, I feel like. It, could make light of something of significance and gravity. But on the other hand, I can appreciate the, the dampening of joy being something people would would want to cry out against. So I don't know. There's a delicate balance there, and I don't know. I'm grappling with that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jeremy, what do, you, what do you
3: think? That's very eloquent, and I appreciate that, Jared. Uh, I'm one of those oldy-moldy klezmoron t- to which uh, – which Christina referred. And uh, when I listen to this, Jared makes a good point. If you listen just to the music, it's klezmer music. Uh, The words, Mm -hmm. the lyrics superimposed on it come across to me as sort of a a Joan Rivers type conversation of satirical approach to Judaism. And uh, so I tried to listen, as he said, to the music and Mm a little less to the words.
0: Uh, Jane, what do you want people to know about klezmer music?
4: I'm a third generation musician from my family, my grandfather played um, trumpet and violin and had his own orchestra my uh, His sons were all musicians um, My uncle uh, Louis, had his own music store he was a He was a musician teacher his brother Moshe Paranov was um, one of the founders and and conductors of the Hartford Symphony and the head of Hart School of Music and so I'm in the third generation and I'm here with the band and I absolutely uh, enjoy the whole scene of, of music.
0: Oh, we got a, a caller earlier uh, who said that he was already late for work. He didn't have time to stay on the phone, uh, but he was really enjoying listening uh, to you and learning more. And he said he heard a lot of Romanian influences in the music. Could you talk a little bit about that, Jeremy?
3: Oh, yes. Uh, there is definitely a tradition of Romanian klezmer music. There's a very popular uh, Romanian singer and klezmer uh, singer named Aaron Lebedev. And he had a very, uh, he had a very interesting uh, signature song. It was called Romania, Romania, but it was to a klezmer type of uh, beat. And it went something like, Romania, 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 mm-hmm. Romania. Romania was a lovely place and with lots to eat and so on. And uh, so that's how I got introduced to Romanian klezmer music.
0: Uh, we were talking again about the history of Klezmer, but Jared, I understand that you're you recently started a Klezmer fusion band. Tell us about that. What does that mean exactly?
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for asking about that. Uh, I I can't say that I started it. My friend Derek Bossi uh, is the um, impetus for this, but I'm extremely happy to be along for the ride. Um, his vision is to start with. Various um, forms of traditional music, klezmer among them. In fact, the the group, yeah, it's called the Klezmer Fusion Collective. It's um, this vision is to have many different um, musicians involved with a wide array of instrumentation and have different arrangements. And to start, the way he says it is to trust the established music and the established musicians of times past to trust their approach, to trust what they've established and be instructed by it and guided by it and transformed by it. And then to be true to ourselves and bring our own influences to bear since we grew up in the times that we did. And that's not those times. So we, our approach has been to start with those pieces from a lot of Latin American sources as well as klezmer and Indian hand drumming um, and then to bring rock, jazz, funk all together. Uh, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's really cool. So.
0: I saw uh, Jane giving you a thumbs up. So you you, you approve, Jane. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Jeremy doesn't. Oh, so,
0: Jeremy, why, why don't you pr- uh, approve of, of klezmer fusion?
3: Well, I hear my grandmother talking right now. and She's listening and she's saying, Oi, what kind of job is that for a nice Jewish boy? But um, it is interesting because there are as you can see, even with the Romani, there are uh, many other cultures involved in Klezmer, including American culture, which um, you'll probably hear in the next number.
0: And we don't want to uh, run out of time. So, I want to, uh, again, I want to thank uh, members of Heavy Steddle uh, Jeremy Sachs, on vo- the vocalist, uh, Jane Hurwitz on keyboard, mm-hmm. and Jared Schmidt on violin. And you're going to take us uh, out of the show today. I want to thank Panina Beatty Bidi- for producing this uh, show, and special thanks to Eugene Amatruda. Jeremy, uh, take it away.
3: All right. Listen up for, for Yiddish and then Joan Baez 50 years later. Maestro. Heuf und ich das
5: Kerbel liegt gebunden mit der Strick. Heuch im Himmel fliegt der Schwelbel, freit, freit sich, hin und kriegt. Lacht die Wind in Korn, lacht und lacht und lacht. Lacht der Tag ganzen ganz mit der halben Nacht. Donna, 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 donna. donna, 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 donna don. are easily bound and slaughtered, never knowing the reason why. But whoever treasures freedom, like the swallow, has learned to fly. Dona, 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 dona. Dona, 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 dona. Dona, 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 dona.
0: Again, that's Heavy Shtetl, a uh, community klezmer band here in the Greater Hartford area. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This is where we live, and we'd love to ask you to play one more.
3: All right. Well, let's see, Maestro, which shall we choose? Oh, let's let's do uh, let's do the favorite crowd pleaser. You know, that's, uh, you want to do "By Me." I love Okay. Mm. Well, we have a, a Jewish Union song, American Union song. Now, uh, all these Jews coming from all the rest of the world. And, uh, let's go for it ay 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 ay
5: ay 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 Und mir haben sich in einem, oi oh, oi, oh, sich in einem, welches ich nicht kobak in oi oi oi, Es alle einig, oi oh, oi oh, es alleine zwei tanzen filz sie wenig, oi oh, oi oh, oi oh. und wir lieben sich doch alle oi oh, oi oh, sich doch alle wie a mit der karle oi 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 Eieieiei, 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 Seine Nähle hinten, ui ui, freilich munter, und hinten rannten unter, oi, oi, ui. Und Kale, oi, oi, oi. ay, 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 ay,